Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in the ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to lead men in today's culture. Discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I'm your host, Mike Salen, and I thank you for joining us today. Almost 20 years ago, when I first understood my calling to work in men's ministry, a process I more often today call ministering to men, I came across a book titled Effective Men's Ministry. It hadn't been out that long, and it helped me to begin thinking through what ministering to men is all about and why it is so important for a local church to have a vibrant and effective ministry that deliberately targets the men. The book was comprised of several leaders of the time in men's ministry writing various chapters. And my guest today on this program wrote a few of those chapters, and that is where I was first introduced to Steve Sonderman. Let me introduce you to a little bit to Steve before we welcome him in on the program. But Steve is a highly regarded as one of the pioneers of the men's ministry movement in America. He started one of the first ministries in the country for the growing church population at L. Brook Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin. In 1994, he began the annual No Regrets Men's uh, Conference, which today draws thousands of men across the country and around the world. Steve regularly consults churches on leadership issues and leads seminars helping them to develop men's ministries both in the U.S. and abroad. He has authored books on leadership and curriculum studies for men. He has a bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and a master of divinity degree from Bethel Seminary. Stephen and his wife, Colleen, have four grown children and are proud grandparents. Welcome, Steve. I appreciate you being on the program with me today. Hey, Mike, Mike it's great to be here. Uh, so grateful for the invitation and just a chance to talk uh, ministry to men. And, yeah, super. Yeah. You know, I did not realize that uh, No Regrets Men's Conference has been going on for almost 30 years now. Yeah, this is uh, February 5th will be our 29th year. And... Uh, so, yeah, you know, when we first started, it was, I, I thought it was a one and done. I thought it was just a men's event for our guys at Elmbrook. And here we are 29 years later, and it's still going. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, and, and I'm going to give you a few minutes to talk about that later. But first, I've got a couple of questions I like to ask all my guests as we begin. Okay. Uh, and, and the first question is, what is your favorite verse or a life verse uh, or maybe a verse that you may hang your ministry on, your hat, your hat, so to speak, ministry hat on. And why is that verse so so meaningful to you? Sure. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two because I have one for each. I have my life verse, which is Philippians 1:21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And and I just love that passage or that verse because it really speaks to the fact that. For, for Paul, Christ was not just a part of his life. It wasn't an appendage. It wasn't, he didn't compartmentalize his life mm -hmm. and, and say, you know, uh, family over there, work over there, and church over there. But my life is Christ, and Christ just sort of oozes out into everything I do. And and so that's just sort of the way I've tried to live my life, um, that that everything I do is, 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 is for Christ. Um, so that's my sort of my life verse. But then my ministry verse would be, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says, For I was delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but my life as well. Amen. And I love that verse because here is the Apostle Paul, you know, not saying that he just, you know, sort of rides into this town or city on his big white horse and just sort of drops gospel bombs all over the place, but rather he 
he he he spent time with people. He invested his life. You know, he was a he was a tent maker, and he, my guess is they they took walks together, they had meals together, they hung out together, and he'd be in a city for a few weeks to a couple years, and he just it was life on life. And I really see that that's what ministry is: is that ministry flows from relationship. And I think that verse just really hits it head on. So that's why that's been my my ministry verse uh, for all these years. Amen. I, I, I use that verse quite often too, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It's, it's very meaningful. And you hit right on the fact that it's not only talking about speaking about the gospel message into people's lives, but just developing that relationship with each mm-hmm. other and how important that is for men to develop uh, those uh, relationships to each other. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, Steve, um, I know you've been in this work for many years. And of course, before you got into work, you uh, uh, God had to draw him unto you and you you had to uh, come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and, and your acceptance of him as Lord and Savior. How did that all come about? How did you come to Christ? Yeah, I, uh, well, I grew up in a, uh, in a home uh, going to church. Uh, mainline denomination, and I didn't know anything other than going to church. Uh, matter of fact, my parents uh, had had moved from Milwaukee uh, City to 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 the suburbs in Brookfield, which was basically just all farm fields at that time. and And they helped plant this church. Um, and so I I went to church every week, and I was very involved in Sunday school and service projects, and you know helping to keep the place clean and and doing all of that. Um, and so I, I sort of knew everything uh, as a kid growing up and, and just saw my parents very involved at every level of, of, of the church. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and yet it, it just really wasn't real in my life. And then, uh, so in, in growing up, not only was I very involved in, in uh, church, but I was also very involved in sports. And so um, I played everything. Whatever was in season, that was my favorite sport. So whether it was basketball, baseball, uh, football, I, I played it, drank, drank it, ate it, slept it, dreamed it. I mean, it, it, my whole life revolved around around sports. It's all I did. And then um, my freshman year in high school, I was a catcher. I was making a throw down to second and felt a twinge in my elbow. So I went to the orthopedic the next day, and uh, they said, well, we're going to take some pictures. And and so they took the, the tech took me, and they said, well, we're going to take some pictures of your back. I said, hey, it's not my back. It's my elbow. I can't throw a baseball right now. And they said, well, the doctor wants pictures of your back. I said, well, if that's what they want, let them take pictures of my back. So they took the pictures and uh, went back in the room and they threw them up on the big whiteboard. And there was this this picture, this huge S curve. And I go, oh, my goodness, whose back is that? It looks terrible. Mm. And uh, they said, well, that's your back. You have a serious case of scoliosis, Mm. curvature of the spine. And they said, what we're going to do here is we're going to put you in a brace and it's going to be like a girdle. And then there's going to be these metal rods running up your sides. And, and there's going to be this metal piece around your neck. And we're just going to slowly just sort of push your your spine back, almost like braces for the back. And uh, I said, well, I said, okay, that's fine. But I said, you know, I got, I got baseball practice at, at three o'clock today. And they said, oh, no, those days are done. They said you're gonna you're gonna be in that brace 23 hours a day, and you're gonna get it off an hour to shower and do your exercises, and then back in you go. And I thought, what in the world? And so I went home that night. I, I literally cried myself to sleep, 
And I said, God, I've gone to church my whole life. I've done everything you you wanted me to do. Perfect attendance in Sunday school. I got the pins to show for it. And you say you're a loving God, and now you're taking away the only thing I really love in life? Of course, God's thinking, yeah, that's the point, buddy. And, uh, and, and so that began a spiritual search for me. I got very involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the, the local high school where I attended. And then a new pastor uh, had uh, just moved from England to, to the United States and at Elmbrook. His name was Stuart Briscoe. And uh, and so I started, uh, some friends brought me on Sunday nights. I started going to Elmbrook on Sunday nights. And it, it, it took a couple of years. But then uh, by the end of my senior year, uh, through the, the, the help of a, of, a, of, a, of a man who had came to uh, FCA uh, to speak, uh, he, he shared the gospel and it, and, it, and it really just made sense. And that was the end of my senior year in high school. And it was all the things that I sort of knew and heard for years. Now all of a sudden came together and, and, and made sense to me. And I fully understood um, what it meant to be separated from God and then to have Christ come and to take my place and to, to give my, my life to him uh, for whatever he wanted to do in the future. And, uh, and so, like I said, that was the end of my senior year. I went away uh, he, for the next three months during summer. He, we met every week. He discipled me. He poured into me. He taught me how to study the scriptures, how to pray, um, how to share my faith, um, what, what obedience meant, what fellowship meant. I mean, we just covered all the basics, went off to college, uh, and I got involved in everything that said Christian on it, um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, Navigators, University. If it had Christian, I went. And that, that the next year, man, I just really grew in my, in my faith. Uh, but unfortunately, I didn't spend as much time in school as I probably should have. Um, mm-hmm. So I, uh, I was asked not to come back uh, the second year. And so I, um, I actually went out to Ravencrest Bible School, which was a part of the Torchbearer organization, uh, which Stuart and Jill Briscoe had been a part of over in England. And I went there for a semester, sort of to figure out, okay, what, what, what's next? And, uh, and uh, I, I transferred back to UW-Milwaukee. I thought, I'm going to be a, a, a teacher and a coach. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was where the, the path I was on. I started uh, coaching high school football at the local high school where I'd attended. And uh, I was a high school uh, varsity assistant coach for six years uh, through college and a little bit after college. Um, I started leading a Bible study at that high school as well on Wednesday nights. Uh, we had the kids from all different denominations showing up. Um, and uh, we started with eight kids. And uh, six years later, we had about 150 kids uh, that were meeting every Wednesday night at homes throughout Brookfield. And the thing just exploded. And it, it really uh, began in me a, a love for teaching, for discipleship, for leadership. And so, matter of fact, I didn't even do my student teaching because I knew by that time that I was going to be going on to seminary. So mm-hmm. I did an internship at Elmbrook uh, for a year in college-age ministry after college, and I just loved it. Went away to Bethel Seminary, and then I just came right back to Elmbrook. And uh, I started in the uh, college-age ministry, and I did that for six years. And then uh, we had grown that to about 400 college kids. I had four kids of my own. So I went to Stuart, and I said, Stuart, you got to – you got to get me out of here. I, I I said I will. I'm sick of bus trips and pizza parties and everything else. <laughs> I said, you know, I'll do assimilation. I'll do evangelism. I'll do missions. I'll do prayer. Just give me one of those four areas. He came back a month later and said, we want you to do men's ministry. 
Well, well, that's that was going to be a question. How'd you get into men's ministry? So, well, yeah, this is it. And so, I, I I looked at Stuart and I said, Stuart, that's not on my list. I said prayer, assimilation, missions, and prayer. And I said, what do I do with men? I said I've never worked with a man in my life. And he said, he said this. He said, do the very same thing you did with the college kids, just try to act a little bit more mature. <laughs> that was 30 years ago. And uh, that was, you know, early 90s. Uh, PK was a, you know, a thought in the back of Dave Wardell and coaching right. minds at that time. Mm -hmm. And so Stuart, you know, really was ahead of his time to, to hire uh, associate pastor full-time just in the area of men's ministry. Wow. Uh, I think I was probably the first associate pastor uh, to have that responsibility in the country. And uh, and so it was, it's been a great ride. I have just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it since that time. But that's that's how I got involved in men's. Uh, that, that, that's great. And, and you know, you're, you said something about being one of the first, you believe, in the country, being solely on staff or ministry to men. I remember being on a call with our, our uh, NCMM brothers, our National Coalition of Ministry Men Brothers, and somebody, and it may have been you, that made the comment that uh, churches need to have somebody on their staff, at least as a lay member staff, that is identified as a men's pastor. Was was that you or was that somebody else? I, I have said that in many, many places. Yeah. And I've uh, been on a couple of those NCMM calls, so it may may it may have been that me, and uh, yeah, I think it's very important for for a church uh, if they're truly serious about uh, ministering to their men at every level that uh, they have someone designated to do that. Now, you know, not every church can have an associate pastor just for that. Right. Right. Uh, there's a lot of churches where there's only one pastor in the entire church. So, right. and, and in that in that in that area, I I just recommend that the senior pastor really see himself as the the ministry to men pastor, um, and uh, and see that as his role as far as how he approaches church and and preaching his sermons and working with his board and and things like that. Yeah, I think I think it's very important too. It's very important for churches people of the churches to understand that uh, churches are value their men and how they do that and being very upfront and personal about it by having visible leaders in that area uh, helps like goes a long way and uh, help them to understand that men are very important in their church. Let me, let me ask you a question before we really get into some of the other ones that we we're going to talk about as far as it's just something I wrote down right before you came on because I was looking at some material and I, and I wrote this down. He said, with all the books and leadership seminars, particular, and you mentioned the, the Promise Keepers, particular since the Promise Keepers days when that all began back in the 90s, why is it that we don't see more churches actively engaged in ministering to their men or targeting their men? Why, why do you think that is? I mean, yeah, we see a lot of things going on because we're actually involved in ministering to men. But we, in our goings about and talking to people, uh, we see a lot of churches that really are not engaged and they're really not into ministering to men. Why, why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, and just to piggyback on that, we know that, you know, from the surveys, only five to eight percent of churches in America have a ministry to men. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they're maybe not doing some things. They could be, but there's a very small percent of churches in our country that are really being intentional in reaching men for Jesus and rooting them in Jesus and releasing them for kingdom impact. And, uh, I, I, you know, the question is why. I think there's a, a, a number of, of reasons. I think one may be, or one is, uh, they, don't, they don't see the need. They, they just think, you know, that this just is not a priority for them. And, and, and oftentimes, uh, you know, parents and adults want to make sure their kids are being taken care of. And so uh, a lot of the resources in churches, whether that's monetary or staff, uh, go towards uh, children's ministry and uh, uh, student ministry. Those are, those are the biggies after a, a senior pastor. And then you want to make sure that your Sunday mornings are going well because we want to make sure we're drawing people in. And so you're going to have your, your worship team and worship pastors and things like that. And so just from a very pragmatic perspective, from a resource perspective, they go towards, there's sort of an order that a new pastor would say, these are the things I need to hire to, to grow my church. And they don't think about the impact that of, of the men in the church can 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 have. So I'd say that's one reason why. A second reason why is that a number of pastors, uh, no fault of their own, have not grown up in a, in a church where there was a ministry of the men. They don't know any better. Right, uh, right. You, you, even even from the taking a step further, most pastors in the the church have not been discipled. Oh, yeah. We have not gone through an intentional process of really helping them grow. You know, and, that, and that's something that surprised me when I got into ministering to men as I began yeah. talking to pastors and, and uh, developing those relationships and finding out how many of those pastors has never been discipled and really don't quite understand what discipling is all about. Yeah. They think, well, if we just have small groups, everything's going to be good. Yeah. You know, and even if they do that, and, and and small groups are great. Don't get me wrong. And I think, but I think discipleship can happen in the context of a small group. But just because you have a small group doesn't naturally mean that discipleship is taking place. Because right. for for discipleship to take place, there has to be an intentionality. Uh, it's a it's a it's a process. Process. There's investment being made in in people. So, um, so a lot of pastors leaders have never experienced that. And so they just, they're, they're sort of blind to it. They don't even realize it. So, I mean, those are just a, a, a couple of reasons why I'd say that a lot of churches are not doing things. I, you know, I'll, I'll mention one more, Mike, just really quick. And that is, sure. they don't know the potential. They, they don't realize, they do not realize all that can happen. Right. Uh, let, me, let me, let me tell you two stories just to, to, to share the, the, the vision on this. So, um, 10 years ago, um, we're, I'm, I'm leading the services. I'm sort of like the MC for the service. All right. And, uh, I'm sitting in the front row with Stuart and our sanctuary is very big. I mean, it holds 3000 people and, uh, we're, we're in the middle service. We had three services on Sunday morning and, uh, it's the, the first one, the second service is getting ready to start. And, and maybe we're into the singing and, and Stuart and I are sitting there and we're, we're talking a little bit, probably should have been singing, but we weren't. And, um, and, and, and he leans over and he says, hey, and see, he says, Steve, look look out there. What do you see? And I look out and I said, well, there's a lot of people there. I mean, it was almost full, almost 3,000 people. He said, no, no, no. What do you see? And I go, I, I see a lot of people. He says, no, what do you see? And I go, Stuart, what are you getting at? You know, and uh, he says, I want you to look. He said, there are as many men in this sanctuary as women. Wow. And he says, I want to thank you 
for 20 plus years of of ministry to men and the difference it makes that we wow. work with church with the 60-40 split or 70-30 split. Right. We, we, we truly were, when we looked at our membership roles, we were 50-50 as far right. as those that were participating, serving, et cetera. And, and it didn't happen overnight, but it did make a difference over time. But here's another one I'll tell you really quick. Uh, a few years ago, we got a new children's pastor. And uh, after the first week, she came to me at our, after our staff meeting. She goes, Steve, what, what, what have you done here? I said, well, I said, Edie, what do you mean? She goes, what, what did you do here? She goes, I've never seen anything like this. She goes, we have more men serving in the children's ministry than we have women. Amen. So I've been in five other churches. I have never witnessed anything like this before. Amen. And I said, Edie, our, our ministry to men and the discipleship process we had for our guys, which was a two-year intentional process, one of its goals was to mobilize men, to help every single man in the church find their place of service. I didn't care where it was, but we yeah. were going to help them get out of the pew and into the game. And 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 so that's that that's what can happen, you know, when when a guy says, you know what, I want to minister to my men. I want to raise the importance of this. They're they're going to see their their sanctuary full of men. They're going to see their men getting out of the pews and becoming an army of servants for them Amen. to mobilize them to do whatever. So, just a couple of quick stories on if you if you see the priority of what what could be, boy, it's it's unlimited. Amen. Oh man, I'm glad you shared those stories because that's one of the things I like to talk about a lot of times is is the fact that if we pour our lives into men and we we disciple those men, uh, you won't have to necessarily beg, borrow, and steal to get men involved in ministry activities because their heart will be changed, our mind will be renewed, and they will have a desire to get out there and do work in the, in the kingdom in the, in, in the kingdom world. And, oh, uh, and, and sure. every every time I hear of a church who has a very active and effective ministry to men. Those are the kind of results that I hear about, and that, and that is that is super what you have. Yeah. Well, Steve, what gets you excited these days? Well, you know, what gets me excited these days is that, you know, it was just uh, two years ago now when I made a transition in my own life. Mm -hmm. uh, I had been at Elmbrook for 35 years as an associate pastor, as I mentioned, six with uh, college age and then uh, almost 30 uh, in the in the men's area, and uh, I, I I love the church and I, I believe in the church, but um, as a, as a pastor, I got very involved in the leadership, and I was just spending more and more time just overseeing staff, and uh, and for some people they they love that role, they're really good managers, but that's just not me, and so. Uh, talked with the uh, the interim senior pastor, talked with the board, and and I just said, listen, I just really feel God's calling me for this next season. I was 62 at the time, and I said, you know what, in this next season, uh, I want to really just do what I love to do, which is ministry to men. I want to equip right. churches to do what we've seen happen here. And so I made the transition. We started a nonprofit called No Regrets Men's Ministry. Mm -hmm. And, and what gets me excited now, Mike, is we, we, you know, we do the conference like we've talked about, and that's a great, great day. But what I, what really gets me up in the morning, what keeps me up at night is, is training leaders, the, whether it's a pastor, associate pastor, a high capacity volunteer who's responsible for the ministry to men in the local church. And I want to equip them to launch a movement of discipleship in their church and community. And so just pouring into to leaders. So last Saturday, 
Cincinnati. Uh, I was up in Green Bay and I had a church there and we had 12 leaders. And for eight hours, I just walked with them as they were putting together their plans for launching a ministry to men. Tonight, uh, I'm going to be with 24 leaders from around the country on a virtual call, one of our leadership cohorts. And that's where I walk with churches for six months. We go through this process of helping them develop a ministry to men, a disciple-making ministry. And I, I can't wait for tonight and just to spend time with these 24 leaders representing about eight or nine churches and just walking with them, coaching them and helping them to, to really understand how do you, who are men today? How do you minister to men? How do you build a leadership team? How do you put together an intentional discipleship plan? How do you start small groups, build leaders? I mean, that's what gets me going. Um, and then I'm also um, doing podcasts like you, Mike. And I, I'd never done podcasts. Matter of fact, until we started in October, I had never even listened to one. And uh, and now just every week talking to guys like you are, like we are, from all over the country, our past speakers, future speakers, thought leaders, authors. I, I'm just learning so much. And it's just that's that's exciting to me. And uh, and then finally, just writing. Uh, I'm writing discipleship materials uh, for, for a new generation of men, for guys in their 20s and 30s. And uh, I have written discipleship materials for, for the last 30 plus years. And uh, But now um, I'm, I'm writing new stuff uh, with fresh content. And, and uh, that gets me excited as well. So it's, 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 it's all of the above. Wow. Wow, that that is that is exciting, you know, what you're talking about. And 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 I was thinking you'd been doing podcasts for longer than I have, but it sounds like you just got started in the last few months. And uh, and it's it's easy. The only reason I'm doing podcasts is because of the pandemic. God kind of pushed me towards that because I couldn't get anywhere else. And so and so these things started happening. And and uh, and, uh, and I've only been doing this myself. Uh, a year in August, this past August is when I started. So it's amazing how God will push us into into this yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and just how, how technology is just opening up doors everywhere, right? Amen. It's, Amen. it's incredible. Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you what, you think you're going to be just talking to your local audience and I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting downloads from all over the world. Actually, that's happening with this stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, tell us about No Regrets. What is No Regrets ministry all about? Uh, what's the purpose of it? you talked a little bit about leadership and training leaders? Is there more to mm -hmm. it than just that? Yeah, I mean, the, our, 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 our mission is to equip leaders to disciple the men of their church and community. Okay. That's it. I mean, we are really a, 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 a leadership development ministry. That mm -hmm. That's what we're about. That's our main focus and our main aim is to uh, is to equip uh, church leaders. Uh, to more effectively disciple the men of their church and community. And so we do a lot of things to make that happen, but that's really what we come back to. And so, um, so whether it's, uh, and so we have the conference, that's a part of it, uh, mm -hmm. but the conference really is sort of a means to an end. Uh, right. It's just a one day catalytic event. And uh, on that first Saturday in February, we, we hosted in here in, in Brookfield, Wisconsin, but then we stream it out. Uh, last year, I think we had about 109 uh, churches around the country, about 270 small groups. And those small groups are in, you know, uh, homes, uh, rec centers, community centers. Um, they're in prison cells, dorm rooms, garages, you know, everywhere. Um, and then we have individuals watch it as well. And um, it's just a one-day event with top-notch, world-class speakers, the best men's speakers there are. Mm -hmm. And uh, But the, the goal is to really help the local church. 
That's why we do it. We want to help them in their ministry to their the men in their church and community. And so we tell them, listen, we're going to stream out these, 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 this worship, these speakers, these testimonies, but then now you use it how you want. Use your own worship band. Use your own breakout sessions. Make it your own. And so as we continue to work with more and more churches around the country, then that's an, a first step then to helping them and connecting with them and helping them develop a disciple-making ministry in the church. Because as you and I know, a catalytic is, event is great, but that's that's not the end. We want to sure. see a discipleship process happening. And so what we really do then is help the, that local leader say, what would that look like for me to, to start some small groups, to really start and launch that movement? And so we provide that training. Uh, through these leadership cohorts. We do video series. I just, just finished and put up on our website a, a seven-part series for small group leaders, how to start and, and, and lead men's small groups. So a small group leader anywhere in the world can just go on there and, and, and walk through these seven sessions, and they will be even further equipped to, to start men's small groups and, and, and to lead them. So it's things like that that we provide for churches. And then the discipleship resources. That's the third thing that we do is right. we really want to provide leaders of, of, of churches uh, a tool they can use to disciple their men. Because if we're going to be saying you need to do this and here's how you do it, we want to provide them a tool that's very practical and hands-on that they can do. And so over the years, we've written different materials and studies. Um, and, and really what's, what's out there, what we've developed right now, it's called Basecamp. Uh, and, and, you know, at base camp, uh, that's where you are equipped to, to, to climb the mountain, to climb Everest. And at base camp, you, you meet your team. At base camp, you get your equipment. At base camp, you get your tools. At base camp, you're prepared for the climb ahead of you. Well, it's the same way in the Christian life, is that every man needs a base camp, that place where they are equipped, where they meet some team members, where they get the tools and the resources, the, the encouragement they need for the, 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 to climb that, that God has for them to get to the summit where they're, where they're being transformed and they bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus. And so these new studies called base camp studies for men are all digital. So that way we're getting rid of the paper and guys can do it on their phone, iPad, computer, whatever. And then the, the, the fourth part of the, the, the ministry is the resources. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just writing articles, it's doing the podcast, it's having a website where guys can go and just be encouraged and equipped to do. So those are sort of the four different areas of the ministry when you think about No Regrets Men's Ministry. Uh, you know, and all of those are, are very vital in ministering men. I know uh, uh, that's one of the things I struggled with when I felt the call into ministry to men and God's going to push me in that direction was where do I start? Where do I go? Uh, do I have to? Do I have to invent all this on my own? And that's re one reason why I do these podcasts is to help men's leaders out there uh, know there are people like yourself out there of resources that they can they can tap into and and not be uh, uh, not have the daunting task of thinking I've got to invent and reinvent this wheel, so to speak. It's already there. Yeah. You just yeah. gotta you just gotta take hold of it and use it for yourself. And I th I appreciate you uh, really doing doing a lot of this, and guys. Uh, for our listening audience, I, I, you know, I'm sitting here looking at his website as he talks about walking through these things. So there's a lot of stuff there, man. There's a lot of stuff there. I encourage you to do that. Reach out to that. Um, 
you said something about uh, churches hosting the conferences, um, the no regret. How how can a church become a host site? Yeah. Is there any particular what, what's the process for that? Yeah, we have a there's a, a a site we have a it's called noregretsconference.org. And it's a separate site. I mean, you can get there from our main site, Men With No Regrets. But we also have a separate site called No Regrets Conference. You can just go right there. And there's a big box right on the homepage that says become a host site. And uh, and if you click on there, it explains the process. But it's really simple. There's still time. Uh, we're up to about 80 host sites signed up already, uh, which mm -hmm. is about 20 ahead of last year. We have about 17 new sites this year already. And we get about half our sites in January. So, guys, if you're listening, you know, you there's still time to, to become a host site. So, you you know, what, what do you have to do? You got to reserve the building. Uh, you need a place. Uh on, on Saturday, February 5th, and uh, whether that's your sanctuary or just one of the rooms uh, at your church. Um, but, you you know, and, and you um, you need to, it'd be great if you built a little team, get two or three other guys and say, hey, let's do this together. Um, and uh, and if, if you can show a YouTube video at your church, you can stream in the conference. It is it is literally that simple. And as soon as you uh, show interest, you go on our website, you say, I'm interested in, in being a host site, and you fill out a little form, we have a team of ambassadors. These are a team of volunteer guys, and we have them all over the country, and they will call you, and they will walk you right through the steps to the day of the conference, and they will help you to do that. But, you know, it just involves reserving the room. It involves putting together some publicity. We have a, we have all that's on our website. We have um, posters. We have bulletin stuffers. We have social media content. We have a, a, a one-minute video you can show on a Sunday morning that says talks about the conference and shows it to the guys in your church. Right. We have sample emails. I mean, we just have all the publicity, <laughs> excuse me, that, that you need right there. And, uh, and so, yeah, that website, noregretsconference.org, will walk you right through the process of becoming a host site. Or if you go, you know, that's a little big for us right now for this first step, maybe you start with a small group, just hosting at your house, in your rec room. You might have five, eight of your key leaders over and say, hey, let's just try it out this year. And uh, you could do that as well. Again, very simple. You just stream it right in. We give you a code. You punch in the code, and away you go. And so it's 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 really simple. Yeah, uh, that's that's super. That that's great. It's really easy. And uh, check it out, guys. Check it out. I, I appreciate. I want to talk a little bit about something that um, you and I have been talking about, and I'm excited about it. Really, I really am excited about uh, becoming involved with this and walking with you through this process. But uh, that is your leadership cohorts. I mean, you introduced uh, several of us to this uh, uh, that may not have already been familiar with it uh, a couple of months ago. And uh, then you and I have been doing some discussions about this. And and uh, I want you to share about leadership cohorts, what that's all about, and how men can get involved. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is something fairly new. I've, this is uh, I'm, I'm leading my fourth one right now. By no means an expert. But I can tell you this, for about over 25 years, uh, I crisscrossed the country and I know around the, in 30 different countries teaching uh, a two-day seminar, how to build a life-changing men's ministry. And that uh, I, I've done that hundreds of times and uh, worked with lots of leaders. And yet, and, and as, as the older I got and maybe a little bit more experience, I realized that there had to be a, a better way than just um, filling up a binder uh, in a, in, in just fire hosing guys for two days. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of research and looking around and seeing how are um, 
How's the upper higher education? How are they training people? What are what are Fortune 500 companies doing? How are they training their people? And 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 sort of stumbled upon this idea of a leadership cohort, mm-hmm. where you you get a, a smaller group of guys, you know, twelve to, to twenty five guys, and instead of just meeting for a couple of days, you you spread it out over a number of months. And in our case, it's it's six months. I've seen cohorts go for a year, up to two years. And it's really a, a, an educational process that's very collaborative in nature, very experiential in nature. So what we do is we, we meet together virtually uh, for about two and a half hours on a Thursday night, just like we're, I'm going to do tonight with this group. And um, <clears throat> we'll just look at one topic. And they've done some homework on their own, a uh, couple hours worth. And um, and then we'll we'll process it together and we'll talk about it. And I'll do a little teaching. I'll spread out the teaching as we go. But I'm not just standing up there and just teaching. It's no more than just a few minutes at a time. Uh, it's mainly learning from each other. It's very collaborative. It's peer learning. And um, and we do that. And then the second time, then we break up that group into we call them huddles so they meet a second time during the month in a smaller group much more personal they're sharing their stories sharing what's going on in their life they're praying together um, they're debriefing what they're learning they're talking about the things that they're learning the, the the best practices from their ministry to men and then every month i, I we, we cover a different topic the first topic is who are men today because the principle is you need to know who men are in order to effectively minister to them. Month two, we look at building a high-impact team. You can't do it by yourself. How do you recruit others to join you in the process? And then the beauty is, then they go and they do it. They have a month now to actually put it into practice. So they're not just hearing it, but they're actually doing it. They're not just filling a binder, but they're actually doing it. Then the third month, we cover um, spiritual pathway. How do you intentionally disciple men at every stage of their spiritual journey? Mm. So often we think that discipleship is just when a man comes to Christ. Oh, he needs to get discipled. No, the word disciple there is a follower, learner, imitator of Jesus. That's an ongoing process. It's not a one-time deal. We're always growing in our discipleship. And so how do you, part of discipleship is reaching men for Jesus. Part of our discipleship is rooting them in Jesus. Part of discipleship is releasing them for kingdom impact. Part of discipleship is reproducing them as leaders in life. That's all being a disciple of Jesus. And our discipleship of men has to involve all that. So we talk about how does that happen at every level and what are the principles learned, looking at the life of Jesus as our example. Module four is putting together a game plan. How do we write a purpose statement? How do we put together a plan? How do we survey the men of our church? How do we you know, put this into practice? Module five is small groups. What are small groups? How do you small start small groups? How do you train small group leaders? How do you coach small group leaders? All that is module five. And then module six <clears throat> is how do you develop leaders, right? Your ministry will only grow as leaders are developed. And so we spend a whole module on that. How do you identify apprentice leaders? How do you develop them and how do you deploy them? And uh, and so we spend a whole module on that. And so, boy, after six months, we've walked them through the basics. We've given them a roadmap for developing a disciple-making ministry. But then we also coach them for the next six months. 
and we walk with them in the implementation time. So what are we discovering? We're discovering that we're having a much higher rate of success because it's not a two-day fire hose event. Amen. But it's happening over a long period of time. And uh, and that's what's getting me excited. Not the numbers. You know, I'm not, I'm not training as many churches anymore, but we're going much deeper with those that want to really count the cost and see something happen. Well, you know that's that's great that you're doing that, and and I and I'm looking forward to being a part of this cohort. And uh, man, if you're out there listening to us, I suggest you really check this thing out because it's 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 interesting. Because one of the things you will find out is one of the things I've found out because I have done a lot of searching, especially in uh, academic levels about ministering to men and and uh, taking courses on ministering to men. They're not out there. They're not out there. You're not going to go to a college and, and, and get a degree in ministry to men. And you're not going to you're not going to get a theological degree on ministry to men. They're just not there. And uh, but this kind of stuff right here that Steve is doing is probably the probably the next best thing, because that really gets you down deep into into what it's all about. So. You know, I'll just say, Mike, I, I appreciate that endorsement. And uh, our next one is you can go on our website, menwithnoregrets.org, and uh, just look at the drop down under training, uh, leadership cohort, and has the dates for our next one, has the, the form you can fill out, and one of our guys will get a hold of you and, you know, answer any questions you might have and, and things like that. But, yeah, is any listener out there love to have you at our next one and uh, it'll fill up quick. And so make sure you, you get signed up uh, soon. Yep. We'll do. We'll do. We'll do. We'll say we're coming up on our time. I hate it because we, I, I I'm really enjoying our conversation while it's going on, but I want to ask you a couple of questions and I want you to take um, um, a few minutes, just kind of just talk, talk about it. And as you kind of wrap up your thoughts and your feelings on this, and that is number one is, what is, you know, we've talked a lot about men's ministry. What, but what is, when you get down to the nitty gritty where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, what is men's ministry? What's it all about? And then number two, uh, for those of us who are, who are actively involved in ministry of men, what do you think is the biggest issue men face today? Um, okay, so so uh, question number, number one was, what is men's ministry? Um, I think it's one man walking with another man to grow in their relationship to Jesus. Uh, it's about relationship. It's not about the numbers. Jesus was never enamored with numbers or crowds. It was just Jesus met the one man. He said, Zacchaeus, uh, come down. I want to have dinner with you. It's uh, Nicodemus knocking on the door and Jesus having a conversation uh, with him. And it's it's just, it's, it's basic root. I, I believe it's just one man walking with another man towards Jesus. So uh, now, can it be more than that? Sure. But that you asked, what's the basis? I'd say that's that's what it is. Uh, what's the, the 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 biggest issue facing men today? I, I I think it's the same issue that men have been dealing with for thousands of years. Um, I think at our core, uh, men are insecure, and I think men are wondering, am I am I good enough? Am I worthy? Um, am am uh, did, did did I do a good job? Uh, will I make a difference? Have I left a, Have I left a legacy? Have I made a, made an impact in my my kids? But we we are asking those questions all. 
the time. And and, and what I've discovered in thousands of conversations one-on-one with men is that um, Jesus is 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 the truly is the answer. And, and 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 Jesus says, "Yes, I you you are worthy. That that I accept you just the way you are, and and I can give you life, and I can set you free, and I can give you a life of purpose, a life of significance. Um, I can give your life meaning. And uh, and and when a, when a guy comes into a relationship with Jesus, everything changes. And uh, and so I think those that's a constant battle in our in our hearts, in our in our minds." And uh, there's obviously lots of more issues that men are facing today, um, but I think sometimes it goes back to those basic insecurities that that every man has everywhere in the world. Mm. Wow, well, I appreciate you, there. Uh, Steve. I appreciate your time today. I know you have a busy schedule, and, and it's just been an honor to have you to share a lot of the information that we received. And so, guys, uh, as we close out today, I really would encourage you to go out there to the men with no regrets.org and be able to see what they have. And you'll see a, uh, uh, one particular um, tab up there at the top says studies and training, go to that and you'll see a lot of stuff there that's listed and that leadership cohort that he and I were just talking about is also listed in that. Check that out. I think you would be very uh, interested in there. If you really truly have a heart for men and want to know more about them. Um, Steve, if anybody wants to get up with you, how would they do that? What, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, a couple of things. One is my, uh, you can go on our website and, and there's a place there for someone to contact you. And I'll, I, I would probably get that and I could could do that. But I think, you know, my email is ssonderman, ssonderman uh, at noregretsmen.org. Uh, so, uh, and uh, love to, if they just email me, we can strike up a conversation and, and, and talk about anything they want. So that's that's one thing if they um, or they can just go through our website either way. I'd love to love to talk. Amen. Amen. And, and Steve is uh, Steve is a great guy to talk to. I've enjoyed our conversations he and I have had. So, yeah, if you want to if you want to know more about what uh, Steve does, reach out there to to men with no regrets dot org or give him a drop in the email. Yes, Otterman at at no regrets dot org. And I'm sure he'll be glad to, to do that. Steve, once again, thank you for doing that. Yeah, uh, Mike, thank you. It's been just a pleasure. And thanks for all you're doing. I really appreciate you and your ministry to men, the heart you have. So just keep up the good work. Keep it up. Okay. Okay. Well, man, if you want to know more about what I do, shout to kfearmen.net, or you can email me at uh, mike.salen at kfearmen.net, and I would be glad to to speak with you. Uh, I would encourage you to reach out if you're thinking about being a leader of men. Also, I have a book out there that uh, talks about my story, my walk in the men's ministry called The Call, A Journey in the Men's Ministry. So reach out there and get that. You can find it on Barnes & Noble or, or Amazon.com. And when you do read that, please leave us a review. I would appreciate that greatly. Intentional Conversations is a ministry of Cape Fear Men, and uh, and we enjoy doing this where we interview leaders in, in men's ministry throughout the country, and, uh, and so you can connect with them. But for now, I want to leave you with a blessing. A mentor used to pray over me every day or every time we meet together, and, and, uh, and he would say this. He said, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, he'll give you a brook to breathe from, and a tree to shake you. So this is Mike Salen saying God bless, and I hope you join me next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Sample.